0: Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. This is episode number seventy-six, Creativation, recorded on January twenty-fifth, two thousand and eighteen. My name is Julie Fafan Balzer, and with me is my co-host Eileen Schubalzer. Hi, Mom. Hello, Julie. So one of the things that I wanted to tell everyone or we wanted to tell everyone is that if you like the Adventures in Arting podcast and you would like to help the show, one of the things that you can do is leave a review on iTunes because that helps other people find the show and to make sure that we can keep doing the show over and over. So, Mom, are you going to leave a review on iTunes?
1: Grumble, grumble. Yes, I will. But I don't like to come out of hiding. I'm a skulker. I like to hide in the weeds.
0: It's true. You have a secret Instagram that you never post anything to. You just, like, look at other people's things. You don't have a Facebook. You don't do any of that stuff. You like to be private.
1: It's true.
0: But we all know you, and we all found you. Ha, ha, ha.
1: You use me. I know that.
0: Actually, this week, I think you found that you had quite a celebrity status because you and I went to Creativation, which is the annual craft and hobby. Well, it's no longer called the Craft and Hobby Association. It's now called the Association for Creative uh, Industries. Yeah, I I think think that's right. Um, and so, uh, they have their annual trade show and you and I went and at least two people came up to me and told me that they like you more than they liked me. How nice of them. I thought that was a good comment to get. So (laughs) there you go. Um, but yeah, you were very popular. Didn't you think? Well,
1: it's not the same being popular and being known or recognized. I would say.
0: What's people, the difference? Some people
1: do know me, although I'm universally known as Julie's mom. Well, you may know, I mean, let's bring in the usual. You may know Adolf Hitler, but it doesn't mean you he's popular.
0: Well, to be fair, he he was popular at the time that he was in power among a certain small. crowd of people.
1: <laughs> right, exactly.
0: They call that a populist movement. Um, but, yes, yeah, so, okay, so you feel that you are adolf hitler-esque no (laughs) no i'm simply saying
1: being known
0: is not the same as being popular okay well i'm glad that you are known and you are known for your wisdom your sarcasm and your adorable cuteness living in your shadow my
1: dream come true
0: (laughs) it's a it's a big shadow so you know
1: There you are.
0: Um, But no, so Creativation, this is how many years have we been going together?
1: Well, you went for two years without me. Don't know how you stood it. How dare I? And then subsequent to that, we must be at least 10 years at least.
0: You think so? That's pretty amazing, staggering. Um, I think that... It can't possibly be 10 years because I think the first time I went to see A.J. was definitely something that I blogged about, and I've only been blogging for 10 years. Okay. So, or then maybe I've been blogging be- for 11 years. So it's got to be like we've been going together for like eight years or seven, something like that. But that's still I a staggering amount The first amount time, of time I went,
1: they had temporarily moved the venue to downtown L.A. out of Anaheim. Yes. And nobody liked it. I mean, yeah. I liked it, but –
0: well, the the reason it. that nobody liked it is I think that previously when the venue was Anaheim, people brought their families. They went to Disneyland. Also, you know, L.A. is not a particularly walkable city. Um, right. Not that Anaheim was either, but it was just harder to deal with having a car or getting around, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I remember I think we walked back from something and it was not a great walk in terms of feeling super safe and happy.
1: It's the last time I'll ever walk.
0: Well, you know what I mean. Some cities are like that and some cities aren't. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was not the best. But so over, over time, let's get a timeline perspective here of the show as it has evolved. Name change, organizational change. This has changed venues multiple times. It's gone from being two very well-attended shows a year to one sparsely attended show every year what are some things that you have noticed that um have changed over that period of time
1: i think the purpose has somewhat changed it used to be that the, that there was a ton of product new product this time i thought there was very little new product there's rehashing reformulating the presentation but you know just because you write the word Journal or mixed media on the package doesn't make the contents any different. Um, then I thought there are many fewer uh, people who are not either manufacturers or store buyers. There used to be tons of kind of extra people, and now there aren't. Yeah,
0: uh, entourages are much smaller. Right. And there
1: used to be lots of demos and giveaways and all that stuff and there really there isn't that that amount of stuff like that anymore. It's more straight sales. You go, you see what's in the booth, you talk to the manufacturer or the artist about what's there, and then you place an order. It's much more business like. There's less of that kind of entertainment factor.
0: Even in the booth builds, like I thought the booths were less crazy than they have been in previous years, less dramatic, less done up, less, you know.
1: That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's because the audience that they're trying to reach or the convention goer that they're trying to reach is more business and less kind of fan-ish. Um, even somebody commented to us that up until through last year, particularly the yarn and sewing booths were very elaborate, had giant displays, had all kinds. There were, Was it last year that there were two different, was it elephants?
0: That was like two years ago, or yeah. maybe that there were two huge elephants.
1: And this year, uh, there was none of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, the show definitely felt uh, more um, like people who were there were there with a purpose. So store owners with maybe like one person trailing them, maybe two. But it used to be like you'd have like groups of eight, you know, all wearing their matching T-shirts. There was a lot more... um, I definitely saw a lot of the same faces I have seen over the years. So people who were doing well, you know, five years ago are still in business and doing well now. Um, The other thing is of course with the internet, like it used to be that the reveal of the product was at the show. And so if you wanted to know what the new product was, you had to go and like wait for the bloggers and the, you know, other people to tell you what the new stuff was. And it was so exciting. And now, you know, New stuff can be revealed six months before the show. Or uh, a lot of people, a lot of the companies do Facebook live events, you know, the week before the show to show you what's new. And they're offering the same show specials to people who don't go to the show but who are um retailers who are sitting at home. you can order online. You know, to get all that. I, I still say that, like, seeing stuff in person is different. And there is obviously always some new stuff that it's good to see how it works. And one of the things I do like about the show, floor is an equalizer in some ways. Because there are products that I've always thought were not for me. But then you see them in person and you fall in love or vice versa. And an example of that is the Misty, um, which many people are familiar with. I think Misty stands for something like most impressive stamping tool ever or something like that. Um, And basically it's something that allows you to stamp perfectly. And if you've met me, you know that stamping perfectly it just is not my jam in any way, shape, or form. I have no interest in it. Um, But there the show was a little slow when I was walking around and I saw the big Misty display and I thought, you know, people go crazy for this tool. There are knockoffs everywhere. Um, you know, this is there's a way to like make your own Misty. I mean, like, there's all this stuff about it. And if I am a person in the know, I ought to know. So I went up and I said, Hey, you know, I've never seen the Misty in person before. I've only ever heard about it. Can I get a demo? And they were very, very nice. And they let me, you know, do this demo, which is stamping this elephant sort of so that it's a multi part stamp so that it all works out and lays out perfectly with your sentiment too and it was you know easy and fun and then my brain started going and I started asking questions can you use a gel plate in your Misti the answer is yes you can can you do fabric yardage in your Misti or does it get you know crimped and crumpled the answer is yes you can then they showed this huge Misti they had that's 12 by 12 that was meant for scrapbook pages but can you do a fine art print with a large stamp in your Misty? And the answer is, yes, you can. And I thought, wow, I am so excited about the Misty. Like, seriously, you guys, like, unbelievably, like, I am credit card out excited because... I saw it in person, and I started thinking about the ways that I would use it instead of looking at those sort of like cutesy cards, which are totally adorable, but just not my style that other people have made with it. And I think, to me, that is one of the benefits of a trade show that you just don't get when you're on the internet, because, you know, the internet is we self-select, I want to see people who have my point of view. I want to see people who do things like I do. And so you kind of miss out on some of those things that you can walk by a booth and see. You know, um, I think there's that synchronicity, too, I've seen in past years where you're across the aisle from some company you've never heard of and you get to talking and it's like, oh, there's a collaboration or... You know you run into a person or a designer or something, and that changes the course of how things are I don't know I mean i I feel like people keep saying, oh trade shows are dead. I think there is a place for trade shows, but I do think it is what you said, mom, which is that they can't <coughs> pardon me they can't be what they were. they have right. to become something new because there is still. A place for all of that networking and seeing the product in real, and the education too. I mean, and you can't deny the education. There were a lot of um, manufacturers there too, who I think were things that I want to do. Like, there's a fa- fondant company that was there, and I am full of ideas because essentially. You know, working with fondant is crafting with food. And I've always been interested in it, but I've also always been intimidated by it. And so it was great to see how easy it was to do. And they had this really fun idea, which is I always think of fondant as like you're making a wedding cake or something like really serious. And they were like, no, you open this little pack of fondant, you use these like stamp molds and stuff like that, and then you've got one fabulous, you know, cupcake or a tiny little cake, or even just decorate cookies or whatever. And I don't know, I got really excited about some of those possibilities there. I think that um, there was another, uh, again, food like molding company, and they were showing off how you could use their food molds. with paper clay and resin and all kinds of other stuff and just made me remember the cross-pollination that's really important, which is tools are meant to do many things. Of course, if you use the mold with anything non-food safe, you probably shouldn't use it for food again, but that's just my little, you know, food safety note for you today. Um, But I think I like those accidental discoveries, those moments when you might not have thought something was for you. And I hope that, you know, the trade shows will keep going because I think that's important.
1: What other products did you see that suddenly appealed to you? Um,
0: You know, one of the things that I liked was in Deco Arts, they had this pouring medium. And the reason that I liked it is because, listen, I have pouring medium from Golden. I've seen there's, you know... Uh, it's not actually called pouring medium but you know you can use tar gel I've seen uh, Liquitex has a kind of like pouring medium mean, like other companies have something like this but they just did explain, such a smart... explain
1: to people okay. what it is
0: so basically if you've seen those poured paintings which is essentially where you take your acrylic paint in a cup and flip it over on the canvas and kind of swirl it around and you get this cool marbly effect and it's a very dramatic like performance arty kind of thing and a lot of people are doing it online so so, DecoArt is very good about finding uh, consumer friendly ways of, I'm not going to say dumbing down, but uh, simplifying some art techniques. So, pouring has always been a little bit of alchemy to get the mixture right you know, and they just have a very clear formula with this pouring medium of how to get that formula spot on and make your own poured paintings. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that from crafters um, and, you know, artists alike. I, I think that's something that's going to keep going partially because we live so much of our art lives through social media and it A, you know, 30-second video of you pouring a painting is, like, amazing and mesmerizing and so cool and so much faster than painting it. Um, You know, I think that that's kind of an exciting thing that people are going to be doing a lot of. Um, I can see a lot of classes because you walk away in, you know, 20 minutes with a painting. I mean, it's a wet painting, but it's a painting, Mm -hmm. Um, and I just think there's a lot of cool stuff like that. So that was neat. Um, I thought that, you know, there were, um, there was this one booth, which is sort of a random booth to be there, but it stands out in my mind. And in fact, I went home and ordered the product online. So that should tell you the power of it. Which is a um, live streaming camera holder, particularly for crafters or people who cook. And what that means is normally when you're working with a camera, it's really hard to get an overhead shot. You have to have like a boom and an arm and like a weight and da-da-da-da. And they have made just a really simple sort of, if you can imagine like an upside down L that holds your cell phone.
1: It also has a light.
0: I didn't even realize that. Um,
1: oh. but yeah, I saw it there. It had a light, and so you know, your, your video is well lit as well.
0: Yeah, and I was just like, This is exactly what I need. Um, and I went home and I ordered it because, of course, I don't have a wholesale license, so I can't order anything at the show. Uh, but it, it,
1: you've come it, a long way from the banana. I date.
0: have. So my my original contraption to record videos involved a uh, tower made of books and other containers with chopsticks that were stuck together, uh, that were like attached together with um, rubber bands, and then weighted to stay in place with bananas. It's it was quite a it's quite a contraption. Um <laughs> but now so I'm I'm anxiously awaiting the arrival of this device. I think it'll be fun to play with. That was a personal thing that I was really glad to see. Um, you know, I, and so for most of the show I was in the brother booth. And the brother booth was showing off Scan and Cut 2, the design and cut, the P Touch embellish, and their new sewing machines and sergers. And it was interesting because the brother doesn't actually sell anything out of their booth. Everything is done through a distributor. So we're basically there to like do demos and answer questions. And I can say, tell you that the comparison of having worked in that booth, I've probably worked in that booth now three or four times. People actually knew the product this time. A lot of times in the past, people walk up and they're like, uh, what is this? Where well, the number one question is, how is this different from a cricket or a uh, silhouette. silhouette? Now neither cricket nor silhouette were at the show, which possibly indicates that they're either not doing well or that they just don't feel that the craft market has money that they're, you know, going to get. I don't know because they both had big booths at Quilt uh, Market, which is the quilting version of the show. Um, but anyway, so that was nice that people actually sort of knew the machine and had more sp- sort of specific questions about it. There were some people who who literally had no idea. And that's always fun because the scanning cut does feel like a magic trick because when you tell people what it can do, their brains kind of explode, which is fun. But, um, yeah, that's sort of my report from the floor. I will say that... The Brother Booth also
1: had the following advantage. They hired a popcorn uh, little little thing to come and stay. It's
0: like one of right. those like old school like popcorn carts. So it's like a glass yeah. thing on wheels so they that were makes fresh popcorn. Out,
1: they were handing out bags of popcorn and you could smell it. So you didn't even have to be at the booth and you somehow were aware that your body wanted to go in this direction because there was this wonderful smell of popcorn.
0: The negative, of course, is that I ate like three bags of popcorn every day.
1: Oh, you're such a terrible human being. I was
0: was being forced to. You can't smell the popcorn and not eat it.
1: Good thing they weren't handing out french fries.
0: Was it, though?
1: <laughs> As I often say, popcorn, because it's a vegetable, you're really eating a salad.
0: That's what I think. Although, you know, they say that chocolate's a salad. After all, it's based you know on a plant that comes out of the ground, right? Beans. I can buy into that. Right? Chocolate is salad. I'm so glad that we've solved all the nutrition problems of the world.
1: Now, uh, I will say that the booth was much better designed this year, and you did have a hand in that. I did. There were there were places to put things, so you didn't have to, you know, underneath cabinets, so you didn't have to have the counters. Well, you all covered know, one of the stuff. interesting
0: things is that the craft market is a very particular market. Brother does a ton of trade shows, but a lot of them are electronics or housewares or. Other things, and the craft and hobby, you know, world is its own world that requires certain things, and it's taken a couple years for everybody to sort of figure out what that is, and I was so pleased and proud, you know, of how they worked it out this year, it was really great, and, um... It's just another example. I mean, understanding like I do that they do pay me to promote the scanning and cut and stuff, but I will just say like completely on my own here, one of the reasons I like working for them is because I do feel like they are responsive to customers, to the industry, to things that are happening, and they really do try their best to um, you know be responsive. and I, I just like working with a company that I feel like is good people who are trying to do their best.
1: Also, the Art Fomies people weren't there, but they sent some for you to demo. So your demo was supposed to start at, what, 2.30? Oh,
0: yeah. So this was very exciting. So, yeah. So the Art <laughs> Fomies, um, she mailed the stamps to my hotel. They had not arrived the day that I was supposed to demo. And, I, of course, I'm not demoing in her booth because she didn't have a booth. I'm demoing in this Pinnett Canada booth. Um, which is an event in Canada. By the way, for any of you interested, I met the woman who organizes it, and she seems great. I don't know anything about the event except that the organizer seems really on top of it. So if you're in Canada, look for the Pinnock Canada events. I think they they sound like they're going to be amazing. Um, But anyway, she... uh, so. I got the notice that it had been delivered to the hotel just as we were walking over the demo and I begged you to go to the hotel and you very kindly said you would. So you left the convention and you walked over and I don't know what happened after that, but it took at least 45 minutes for you to get back, right?
1: Well, first they didn't, they kept saying they didn't have the package and they didn't know the name. And then they sent me to the FedEx place, which was downstairs, which says it's open 24 hours, but it was locked and no one was in it. I'm going back and forth. Then they needed to get your permission to release the package to me. But the way they did it was I gave them your phone number and they called you. You could have been anybody. You could have been the package stealer, you know, and they said, is it okay to release it to your mother? And you said yes, but, I mean, that's crazy. I believe they called me
0: and I just said, is this about releasing the package to my mother, which then made me realize you could have given them anybody's number and, you know what I mean?
1: And I could have been anybody. They never saw any idea or anything. So it was the pretense of
0: security,
1: Without but actually actual it was like, security. it was like, it was like a, a, a play, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: We all had to feel that we had somehow done something. Done our security. It, we were all pretending. Well, good right.
0: job, good job.
1: So I came back.
0: You came we back. You the stamps to me. It was actually the first time those stamps got designed last week. <laughs> so it was the first time I had seen the stamps in real life. So that was actually super exciting too. So I got to play with them in front of some people. Um, and we had a good time. And they were impressed. And I was impressed. And it was, it. was it's always nice when the product – is sort of what you expected. Size-wise, I'm always a little bit surprised whenever I open those art foamies because in my brain and on my screen when I'm designing and stuff, sometimes it's different than when you actually get them in person.
1: Do you have any thoughts about how you might tweak this convention? You mean if I were in
0: charge of the world, how I would If you were in better? charge
1: of the world, which obviously it's a mistake that you're not.
0: Clearly, clearly. Well, here's the thing, which is I understand that, like, they need to make money and da-da-da-da and all that kind of stuff, but I think that um, I would like to see more opportunities for education that don't make it quite as difficult for manufacturers to offer classes. It's actually incredibly expensive and a huge pain in the butt. For a manufacturer to offer a class and they really can't recoup any of it based on the low prices. So it would kind of make more sense if classrooms spaces were kind of on the show floor, you know, and done with more of a uh, sort of um, ability for people to sort of peep in and watch the class who aren't participating and then a small group to participate, you know, with like a TV monitor and a speaker. Because I think a lot of these things are, you know, you end up doing this demo 400 times and it would be great to have a centralized way to like do the demo and do the class for a small group of people, get a flavor for the project that you could sit in the back if you didn't want to participate and sort of watch you know, what was happening. Um, And I think a model like that exists in other places and other trade shows where they do do things like that. I just think that, you know, this particular trade show has always traditionally been classrooms hidden away. You have to have a ticket. And usually, you know, I don't know how much you actually learn. And I do know that most manufacturers find it painful to have to do a class. Just very cost prohibitive.
1: You know what they eliminated? I just realized unless I mi- I may have missed it. Did they have the kind of opening
0: night meet meet and greet cocktail party kind of thing? No, instead they did this party. They used to do that thing in Anaheim, right? Out in the open and it was like food trucks and dancing and all that stuff. So now they do a closing party on the um Sunday before the Monday.
1: Well, they are but but didn't they used to have a more cocktail party-ish opening night thing so you can yeah that's what
0: i just said with the with the no but they and always the had the ending party i don't think they did always have the ending party. okay i think that is what has replaced it
1: okay well i just felt that maybe it's just the way we did the show but we were more sort of well, encapsulated part in of our that is
0: that that ending party venue. is done at a location a venue that's like a 20 to 30 minute walk or requires you to take a car or a you know pedicab it's not like was well, in an anaheim where you walk out of your hotel or out of the convention center and it's there
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i think that makes it more difficult and again this is all you know cost saving kind of stuff but it makes a difference because it feels more spread out
1: well, so what happens is in past years we have sort of randomly met people. Yeah. Because we were at the same party mingling around. And this year we talked to many people, but there were mostly people that you already knew in some way.
0: Yeah. I think there were just also fewer people there in general. Oh, and talk about the
1: fact that the, one of the uses of this uh, uh creativation for you is that you're meeting people who are either potential sponsors or current sponsors of your tv show make it artsy
0: well so that's one of the things that i always do at the show is you want to go through and see like what products would be a good fit for the show so you know sometimes there's stuff that you wouldn't have thought of or people that you meant to connect with or you know sometimes it's just easier because having a thousand emails takes forever just doing it in 10 minutes in person is a lot easier you know so i just talked to a bunch of different people um talked to my producer dealt with a bunch of other stuff around that but it is the business of the business, which is sometimes you need to see face-to-face, make sure nobody's a crazy person, look at the product, have a real conversation, see the kind of samples that the manufacturer thinks shows off their product, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So mission accomplished. So mission accomplished. All in all, I would say I had a good experience at the show. I, you know, look forward to next year. I wish that there could be some ways to change, you know, how it operates a little bit. Some things are not practical. Like, I know consumers always want to come to the show, but pardon me, for many manufacturers, that's not useful because they either don't sell direct to consumer or consumers have a lot of questions in a different way than retailers do. It's even that, you know, for some people who have minimum orders, it's like you have to order, you know, $2,000 or $300 or however much it is out of their booth and a consumer is never going to do that. So they wouldn't go to this time and energy to do it for a consumer where they'll do it for retailers. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, I keep thinking that AFCI should stand for Association for Creative Individuals, but it doesn't. It's industries. And it's hard to remember that this is a trade organization for industries and not for individuals.
1: Right. That's a very good point. Okay, so... It was in Phoenix for the second year. I thought that worked well, although for some reason it was what we considered freezing. I mean, it wasn't compared to Boston, but.
0: No, but it had been in the 70s before we got there. And then when we were there, it was like in the 30s at night and stuff. So it was colder than you would have liked it to see. You had to wear a coat and stuff. Um, But, you know, Phoenix, I think, is a little bit of a pain for lots of people to get to because for most people coming i mean this is the one number one thing i see there are many fewer people from europe part of it is because paper world is a much bigger show and it's almost at the same time so there are fewer designers fewer companies fewer anybody who has any european business because it's too close to paper world and also to get to phoenix from europe you have to take two flights. It's not like flying into LAX which sometimes you could do on a direct. It's not like, you know what I mean, there's just there's just no way around it. And for many people that's a deterrent.
1: Well, it definitely means it takes you longer to get there. It does. And probably there are fewer flights.
0: Yeah. C'est la vie. You know, one of the things I want to talk about before we wrap this up is I want to talk a little bit about, like, if you don't go to trade shows, right, and you don't have the opportunity to do this kind of walkthrough, walk past, what can you do to kind of have a Creativation-esque experience? So here's my list of suggestions, and feel free to chime in, not that you ever need an invitation, mother. <laughs> But, so number one is um, educate yourself. And all that education I'm talking about, about seeing a product in use, about going to a class, about all that kind of stuff, that is stuff you can do to a certain extent through online. There are tons of videos. Every company puts out a video when they have a new product. And if you go to their website or if you go to their YouTube, you can find it, right?
1: You can also just type in terms.
0: Yeah, you can also just Google for stuff you're looking for. Then there are the great uh, companies that still do, hey, here's what's new and you might have missed. One of my favorites is Scrap Time. Um which is Christine Urias and her husband, Mark, they go around and they hit up virtually every booth at the show and interview and show you what's new. And there's a ton of videos there. So you might find something that's interesting to you that you hadn't thought of that hadn't been interesting. And she also does a nice roundup where she'll do like the top 10 things, you know, in my opinion, or here are some trends and stuff like that. Um, (laughs) Pardon me.
1: Is she the one who's also now doing the candy? Yes, she's
0: the one who gave us the candy.
1: She's making absolutely fabulous and delicious unusual candies.
0: Artisanal candy, yes, as a side biz. Um, The other thing that you can do is I will tell you that you can often uh, approach people for a collaboration or because you're interested in their product or anything like that, it's just as easy to do it by email. And so sometimes it's less intimidating than it is the other way. But a couple words of wisdom, which is one, you know, people get a lot of email the same way that people get approached at the show all the time. So I always tell people, like, when you're approaching someone at the show, you need to clearly introduce yourself, explain exactly what you want, you know, and then give somebody credentials that they can review or look over or hand on to. So an email approach is gonna be the same thing. You need to say who you are, explain exactly what you want, right? And then give them something, a link, a list, something that they can hang on to to see. So if you are hosting an event and you are hoping that someone is gonna send, you know, whatever, 24 tubes of paint, then you need to be 100% upfront about exactly, you know, what you want, how to contact you, why it benefits them, and then some bona fides so that they know you're not, you know, selling it on the black market or whatever. If you want, you know, to get a job with a company. I mean, all of these things I do think are possible from home, and that's a lot of what goes on at trade shows. You just have to be clear about it. So one is education. Two is kind of a version of networking. Um, (laughs) Pardon me. And then the third benefit, I think, of a trade show is having the opportunity to put yourself out there, right? Because essentially what I do every time I do a demo is I'm not just showing off that product, but I'm also showing off what I can do with it. And myself as a spokesperson and myself as a, you know... Uh, Talking head, and every time I go to the booth and somebody interviews me for their, you know, internet show or their YouTube channel or whatever, that's another opportunity. So, how can you capitalize on those things? You know, I listened to this podcast called, um, uh oh, now I'm forgetting what it's called Creative Pep Talk with Andy J Pizza. And he, the one of his most recent podcasts, he's actually stealing something from, um, Oh, gosh, now I'm going to forget the name of the guy he stole it from. Anyway, I'll have to remember that later. But, uh, which is the idea that the the internet is not a lottery ticket. It's a paycheck. And the difference is, if you think it's a lottery ticket, then you're just sort of randomly doing stuff and occasionally participating with, you know, hope. If it's a paycheck, then you're working every day, Right. Because Uh eventually you're going to get something from it. And so I think that is true in terms of like promoting yourself as whatever it is you want to do. Which is if you want uh companies to put you on their design team then you need to be using their product and talking about it and promoting it on your feed so that when they look they can see wow this person uses deco product every single you know post or three posts a week and names list the product like that's a great ambassador for us you know um so i think it's and that's the same thing as being on the the show floor and marketing yourself as hey i made this and i would be a good rep for your company in whatever way it is. I just think you have to think of think of the internet as your virtual trade show that works, you know, 12 months a year. What can you do? What can you show off? What can you be?
1: Well, if you if if this is the purpose, then you have to think of the internet also as a job interview. Yeah and hit all those marks to make yourself useful to the manufacturer or the business that you – and part of this is you were working with someone who's an artist uh, at the show, and she's also a friend, and you were asking her to define her brand. And I thought it was a really interesting conversation – because she didn't really know what her brand was. And if you don't know what your brand is, how can you sell yourself to a, to a business?
0: Yeah, and it's even if you don't want to work for a manufacturer. Let's say you just want to have Etsy sh- sales and you want to have, you know, make sure that you have at least 100 sales a year or 100 sales a week or whatever it is. You know, again, like you have to think about uh, – this is a business, and how are you marketing and placing yourself to do that? Now, it doesn't mean I think that you should be sell, sell, sell all the time because I think people find that tiring. But I think you should think about, like, what makes me decide that I want to pay $350 for a print uh, from an artist as opposed to, you know, $25 down a target? Like, what is it that's going to make me open my wallet that big? And the answer is always going to be because of the story, because I like the person, because I feel like they're generous and I want to support them in their career, right? I I believe wholeheartedly that we all are interested in supporting people that we like, you know, and in helping them along. And so... You have to find those ways that people are going to want to buy your work, not just because it's beautiful, not just because it's interesting, not because just because it's special, but because you come with that. And every time they look at it, they think of you.
1: So and also because you have to in the whole kind of gigantic universe of people who can be found on the Internet or whatever, you have to carve out the niche and the focus of who you are so that people who are looking specifically for that can find you. Yeah, you otherwise know, it's too hard to find it's you. Too hard, otherwise. And
0: also Dr. Seuss had it right. No one is you than you. And I, you know, I, it's, so when I worked in the theater, actors used to show up, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I can play 18 to 55, and I can play, like, uh, this kind of person or that kind of person this kind of per-. And it's like, you know, as impressive as versatility is, uh, generally that's an untrue statement, and most people should, should, like, play the one part they're really good at over and over again with subtlety and small changes, you know, um, and not try to play, like, every character – on Earth, you know, it's like when you read a script, you can see what a Judy Dench role is, and she's fantastic in everything she does. But generally speaking, she's in a Judy Dench role, you know. Um, <laughs> pardon me. I even think Meryl Streep is often in a Meryl Streep role. You know, there are we hate on some level to be limited in that way, but maybe instead of thinking of it as a limit, to think of it as like that you are the best. You are the Meryl Streep of that area of whatever it is that you are making. Um, and so I think it's like, you know, uh, sometimes I want to be like, oh, I can do this kind of art and I can do that kind of art and I can do this kind of art, but you know what? I do one kind of art very, very well. And, and I like that and I'm okay with it. And I think that's why my work has a voice because I'm not afraid to just be the Julius Julie that I can be.
1: You know, when you were in the theater, one of the things you often said was that if you hadn't been a director, you could have become a casting director because you actually have, that it just happens to be an area where you're particularly strong. And I think that involves seeing the person fairly objectively and then fitting them into the right role. And what I think it goes back to our original start of this little conversation about knowing your brand. And as an artist, if you don't know what your brand is, then you will not be able to put yourself in a position to succeed because you won't be able to find your audience.
0: Yeah. And I I think it's not just like finding your audience. It's like It gets frustrating because you're just sort of throwing stuff up against a bulletin board instead of, like, honing and getting better in the area where you already excel. It's like, why do things that are hard? It's not that you should stop improving. Like, right now I'm working on, like, these little abstract paintings and I'm trying to get better. But I would say that they're still in my style. I'm not suddenly a landscape painter.
1: Well... I would say also you're you're trying to learn new skills it's not that you say oh I'm always going to paint eyes for example you are now planning to take a sewing uh, class so that you can be better at constructing clothes and I and that will somehow work into your career that's what I like. I like that you're bringing new things in all the time, but you still know what your brand is. You still know that your clothes won't be like somebody else's clothes. I'm not
0: making a Chanel suit. That's for sure. For so many reasons. Um, One is you're not Coco Chanel. One is I'm not Coco Chanel. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's all very complicated and trade shows certainly are an opportunity. I think that, Uh, to think about your branding, your messages, your company, your whatever. And here's the thing, even if you're not a professional artist and you have no interest in being a professional artist, I do think that some awareness of branding is helpful to you in your development as you're looking for your own personal voice, as you're trying to figure out who you are, as you're trying to decide what projects to work on as you're, you know, looking at all that kind of stuff. I think, you know, you can think of branding in just a personal development kind of way. It's even like, I would say this as a woman now, you know, in my forties, as opposed to a woman in my thirties, you know, I I think I have a brand. I have a sense of my brand as a human being, as a woman more than I did Mm -hmm. when I was in my twenties, you know, Part of growing up is about knowing yourself, and if you really get down to it, that is knowing your brand. If It's kind of a callous word, and we don't like to say that, but I get it now. When I go to a dinner party and I sit down to a stranger, I know who I am, and I don't feel like I have to pretend that I'm somebody else to interest them. You know, and I think that if nothing else is about knowing your brand. And so I hope that I certainly hope that when I'm a woman in my 50s or my 60s or my 70s or any of that stuff, that I will just be more and more and more brand aware and less apologetic. And it's like, listen, not everybody likes, uh, you know, Coke. That's fine. There's a million other sodas. You know, pick your pick what you want. Thank God you're
1: talking about sodas. There
0: you go. There you go. (laughs) Some people like Pepsi. I don't know why, but they do. Um, so I think it's, I think that there is never any harm in drilling down and trying to figure out who you are, either on a personal level or as an artist. So what's your brand mom? Uh, that's a good question.
1: Nurturer, facilitator.
0: Sarcastorator.
1: I'll accept it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the thing that's hard about brand is that sometimes perception is reality. So you may think that you're cute and cuddly, but people perceive you as cold or childish or something. And those are words you don't want to have associated with you. And then you have two choices, which is either you have to embrace... What is your brand and who you are and the people around you love you for it, not despite it, but for it, or you have to change yourself, you know, and that's those that's the same way it works with your business brand, too. However we perceive McDonald's is not the reality. Listen, the reality of McDonald's is that they do have done, through history, an outstanding job in terms of employment. So many people who work in their, I think it's 80% of the people who work in their executive offices started behind the counter. That's amazing. I know people who started at McDonald's behind the counter, and McDonald's paid for them to get a college degree and a graduate degree. But you know what we joke about all the time? Go get a job at McDonald's, or you'll be stuck working at McDonald's. They were the ones who piloted programs hiring older adults Hiring, hiring—you um, know—mentally um, handicapped people, hiring all sorts of people. At times, when people wanted those people, shuttered away in the 80s. And yet, we have such negative connotations. If you actually look at the caloric loads and all that kind of stuff at McDonald's, it's not any worse than Chipotle. It's not any worse than so many of these other places that we perceive as healthy. And yet, we've decided that McDonald's is pathologically unhealthy for you. So, they have a major branding problem because. Brand is perception. Perception is reality. So the truth of any of it is, doesn't really matter. And that's what they're struggling against. So it happens to all of us, you know?
1: Let's go eat dinner at McDonald's.
0: I like their French fries. <laughs> Actually, I often feel like I'm, I'm doing a little, I'm. it's like I'll have a salad and French fries. And then I feel like I've done yeoman's work for the day. You know, as they always say, it's a little bit good, a little bit bad.
1: Vegetarian meal. There you go.
0: It's all good. (laughs) Anyway, on that note... I hope that you will think about your branding and all that kind of good stuff and who you are and other people's branding. Um, But you can find me at ballsordesigns.typead.com and do leave us your comments or questions at ballsordesigns.com backslash arting. We'd love to hear from you. And if you tweet about the show, please use the hashtag PoundArtingPodcast. Thanks so much for listening. You can always subscribe to us through iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And we'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast.